I'm Stuart Buchanan, and you're listening to Out From Under, a weekly program about eclectic and experimental Australian music, broadcast on Resonance Extra and podcast by FBI Radio in Sydney. This week, we're listening to part two of an interview with Mitchell Jones, founding member of both the seminal Australian experimental band Scattered Order and the early 80s record label M Squared, which balanced the prevailing sounds of post-punk with lo-fi electronics and eclectic left-field explorations from a close-knit community of artists. If you missed part one of the interview, you can find the episode on Resonance Extra's Mixcloud channel or on our podcast via iTunes or wherever you source your podcasts. In this episode, Mitchell talks us through the roster of artists on the M Squared stable, including Makers of the Dead Travel Fast, Systematics and Yaya Coral, as well as Prod, a cloakroom assembly and solipsic and the offshoot of renowned Australian industrial group SPK. And later in this episode we pick up the scattered order story following the demise of M Squared in 1984 and hear about their journey through the 80s and 90s heading to an unexpected reunion some 10 years ago and into a highly prolific phase which continues to this date. To kick us off though, let's rewind back to the early 80s when the M Squared roster was in full swing and we kick off with Mitchell introducing us to the makers of the Dead Travel Fast. They were another band who just um, showed up at our doorstep um, carrying a, a, a cassette of these songs. They were sort of, I think they were Northern Beaches, they were, I think most of them were students at the time. And I was sort of like an art rock collective with glorious piano-based tunes, but with, in Shane, a, a, a wonderful synthesizer player. Um, they'd go, they could go from sort of banging pots of pans, noise, right through the lovely sort of melodies. And they just had some great songs, you know. They were, Hard to deal with because I'm five very individual, you know, five very individualistic people. It's a bit like herding cats. <laughs> they knew what they wanted with their sound. They knew what they wanted with their visual, how they wanted to present it. All their covers were done by Timothy Schultz, who's a saxophone player in the band. And they were just wonderful. They were completely different to anything else.
they're probably aside from Scattered Order, probably one of the bands that's most referenced coming out of M Squared. Why do you think that is? Well, they were the only band who had a semi-hit. Tale of the Seahorse, the single, the only record on M Squared that went to a repress. It was played. It was thrashed on Double J and Triple Z in Brisbane and Triple R in Melbourne. It was, and it came out in summer. It was a summer song. It had sort of, at least sort of, it sounded like bong noises in the background. All these blowing bubbles and there's all, you know, sea and sun, and, and it was like, you know, like a summer single. <laughs> And, you know, people just really relate to them. Also, their sort of cash has sort of increased is because there's not many re-releases. There was a uh, CD, best of CD on Extreme in the, the 90s. After that, no, they haven't been repressed. They can't agree on it. They had heaps of offers. What's sadder is that their last album, right at the death throes of... M squared was called Zoom Less Than Man and I think it was their best work and that's sort of because of the death of the label it, it sort of died with it and that album would be almost impossible to find I imagine I'm sitting on a few copies <laughs> no um, yeah, yeah. actually uh, Shane there's, I think they found a whole lot of copies under their bed and Shane's slowly been selling more Right, right. but yeah that, they deserve a re-release but I think it'll never happen
You can't talk about M squared without talking about systematics. Um, so can you describe systematics? Well, Patrick came with the first Pulp Baby, the first systematics song. That was him by himself. Um, it was released on Double Think. Then he made The Rural, the first record on M squared. And it was him and a, uh, a gentleman called Michael Farwood. It was a duo. And it was just uh, synthesizer, some guitar and vocal. Quickly followed, Fiona Graham joined as a synthesizer player and a vocalist on some songs. They'd finished by the end of 81, I think, was their last show. They played live quite a few times. They had a, a group of sort of fanatical people following them. You know, they had the big joy of supporting the Cure at, at the, the State Theatre or something like that. That's the... The, the funny story of uh, Sounds Unlimited, Donny Sutherland's music shows in the mornings and had Robert Smith on and then, you know, oh, we're looking for a support band of you know, synthesizers. So they got straight on the phone and they ended up with this show. And there's live recordings of the show and it's really funny. You know, there's all this deadly silence from most of the audience except for 20 or so of their friends who are just yelling and screaming. Yes, so the, yeah, they, they were just fantastic. The, live, they were just brilliant. Patrick was just an amazing showman. And they had these great little songs. Let's talk about Yaya Coral. Can you tell us a little bit about their well, sound? Well, Yaya Coral, what do they build themselves as Tinkly Bonk, which was What's sort of, that? well, it was sort of a light 
I don't know, they'll, they'll probably disagree with me, but to me it was a light-hearted, synth-based, simple, you know, tinkly sort of sounds, light-hearted, the sound, but maybe more sort of uh, darker in the lyrics, but with um, two vocalists, Fiona Graham, who came from the Systematics as well, and Patrick, so it was the three of them, Fiona, Patrick, and Michael. And it grew, and they had a, you know, live, they, they'd have a, a, a group of people as a choir, and it was all sort of like a celebration. And it was sort of like, it got to pop music, really. And which was lovely, it was completely different to anything M Squared was doing at the time. Mm. Prod was uh, Michael Prowse and Craig Robertson. They Michael drummer, Craig played bass or, or guitar, and they were just an instrumental sort of jam sort of band. Um, it, was, it was like a less intellectual King Crimson Red period. It was sort of riffs and intri intricate drumming. They just did one record for Contents, one on M Squared, then Craig and um, uh, ended up, <laughs> like everybody who comes from M Squared, ended up joining Scattered Order and Michael joined Scattered Order. There's a few things, they did a cassette release too that is actually getting a re-release at the moment. Um, it should be coming out soon uh, of, of their cassette release and there's some great stuff on that.
out from under. I'm Stu Buchanan and I'm talking to Mitchell Jones, who's giving us a guided tour of the roster of bands that made up the early 80s post-punk label that he co-founded, M Squared. Michael's other project was a cloakroom assembly, which he's, yes. he's returned to as well. Can you talk about cloakroom assembly? Oh, that was Michael left alone in the studio late at night with anything to hand. Oh, he's fond of of Revolution Number no. Nine, and it's just sort of like a, a, a collage of sounds. It's grown more into a more ambient sort of thing, or longer pieces. Small subtle changes in the pieces. It's just Michael, you know, playing in the studio. It's quite oh, joyful. It's not as serious as you know ambient music is meant to be. You know, some sort of serious pursuit. I think he all treats it as just you know fun. Yeah, yeah, and that was one of one of the reasons why we started with cassettes because both Michael and Patrick had plenty of solo stuff and they will keep releasing that
one band I want to ask about, they only had one release on M Squared, but went on to become very well known, I guess, is SPK or, or Solipsic. Can't remember how they ended up on our doorstep, but that was Neil from SPK. It wasn't Graham Ravel. Graham Ravel, I think, had gone overseas by this stage, this would have been 83, I think, and Neil came over with his girlfriend and this other gentleman, and they just with a little synthy, okay, synthy, and recorded three tracks with us, two for the single and on the uh, A Selection compilation. They were lovely, lovely people, and that was the only true industrial uh, record on. Mm. And it wasn't sort of that militaristic, industrial bullshit sort of thing. Mm. It was just hard noise sounds. But, you know, mm. really good. So their relationship with Graham at the time, I'm never sure. Solipsic, an offshoot of the renowned Australian industrial group SPK, and a track released on the M Squared label titled Zombot. 
This is Out From Under from Resonance Extra and FBI Radio. I'm Stuart Buchanan and I'm talking to Mitchell Jones, one of the founders of the M Squared label back in the early 80s and the constant driving force behind the band Scattered Order. You can find part one of our interview on Resonance Extra's Mixcloud channel or on our podcast via iTunes. But we pick up the Scattered Order story now around 1984 at the point when the M Squared label had come to a conclusion. The demise of M Square absolutely didn't signal the demise of Scattered Order at all. In no. fact, you know, continue to be prolific thereafter. So let's talk about Scattered Order now in that mid-80s, I guess, you released through Volition. What did uh, Scattered Order evolve into at that time? Through the Volition years, it evolved into a sort of a lush-sounding, not a bunch of lushes, but a lush-sounding rock band with a sort of a electronic edge with very interesting, I still find interesting, lyrical content. The first record on Volition of Dancing Foot was sort of more live, more intense. Then it got, as we went through our, our time at Volition, it became more considered, more rehearsed. Looking back on it now, I sort of liked the earlier period but the later period of the Volition years, uh, I still can't listen to, really. Um, but people come up, oh, I really like that record I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What was on that record sort of thing? But it got to the stage that, like all sort of collectives, everybody has a voice, and the loudest voice wins. And we got to a six-piece band, and the loudest voice. <laughs> it finished just before the Comfort album in 1988. Uh, we lost our drummer then. So we ended up having to do this uh, record with a, a drum machine and a friend playing drums. It was a double album, of uh, one, one LP of new material and an LP of best of sort of LP. And it was sort of not a, not a good point <laughs> in the band. Um, we had a, lo- a long break. Then we did the um, professional dead ball CD. By this stage, there was... I have to count on my fingers. There was five of us left. Um, we'd written all the songs with a drum machine. We just couldn't be asked trying to find another drummer. And we recorded it all at home, um, you know, where all the previous Volition, well, most of the Volition albums were in a studio. We had no budget, so we did it all at home. Um, Volition released it, but by that stage they had sort of Severed Head, Single Gun Theory, uh, Boxcar, and, they, you know, they were big on techno. <laughs> Uh, at that stage, and we just didn't fit in. They did a big tour, and you know we weren't involved. 
you know, we, we played live once for the once to release the CD, and it sort of just died. We, there was never any end, but we never really submitted anything to Volition anymore. So we, um, the next one was Asleep in the Knife Drawer, which, you know, we just retreated to our bedroom and kept doing, you know, what we found more enjoyable than going into a studio with a set, you know, a set set of songs sort of thing. We could experiment more. We could, you know, recordings, you know, it took a couple of years to record, but it was only days here, days there, and we'd all do our little bits and we could experiment more. And do you, and, and so thinking about particularly that record, Asleep in the Knife Drawer, are you, can you listen to that one? If you yes, <laughs> I love that. I like Professional Deadball too, the one before it. It was showing where the band was going. Sleep in the Knife Drawer was just really good. I, I don't even, I think we might have actually played it to volition, but the, you know, they were, weren't only impressed. And it sat around. It, it wasn't, uh, Tom Mellard released it on Servcom, just as a few copies. So it, it never got a, a proper release. Yeah, um, but it's, I really like that record, you know. And by that stage, we'd moved, Drew and myself had moved up to the Blue Mountains. And I got myself a little music room, and we, you know, we carried on like that.
Carried on for a couple of years, um, and you know there was quite a few. It was quite a prolific period. I think it was, sort of yeah. Late nineties. Um, we did, period. yeah, Chicken Hilton in ninety six, and then um, I think ninety eight we did um, Pretty Boffins. Um, by this stage, we'd lost the guitarist we had, and we found this other guy, and it was just. The four of us, I don't know, I seem to have lost somebody else along the way. But anyway, there was four of us by then. It was just myself, Drew, Craig Robertson, the bass player, and, and Paul Doherty, who actually was in the Johnnies of all bands, but he was playing guitar for us on Chicken Hills and, and, and Pretty Boffins. And those three albums, Asleep in the Knife Jaw, Chicken Hilton and Pretty Boffins, I'm really happy with still. It's an interesting period, sort of late 80s and through the 90s, where electronic music particularly evolved considerably yeah. um, and splintered off into a whole lot of different directions. You know, I mean, your background arguably can touch on, you know, industrial um, and kind of what we now might call kind of cold wave. And um, you're not making electronic music, you're not making techno music in that period. So where did you feel you were sitting? By ourselves, just doing what we enjoyed doing. Um, we could never go out and make a uh, industrial sounding song or techno. We just didn't, you know, we were listening to things like that, but we just didn't know how. Um, and we had no interest to do things like that. We just 
like you know, the four of us together put together our ideas, put them onto a tape recorder, and went from there. How it turned out is the way it turned out. Didn't sit anywhere, you know. People say, "Oh, you're an industrial band," you know. We're not, never were, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't own a pair of combat trousers, you know. We're not an industrial band. We're not a noise band. We're not a rock band. We're just scattered order. We always have been. We always will be. And we write songs and make sounds with the people and the equipment we have on that day. How they turn out, how they're released, that's the way it is. After that prolific period, you went into, I guess, hiatus. Yes, well, we, by, what was it, 2002, we'd sort of had lost the guitarist. It was just the three of us. We got sick of John Howard, so we moved to Wales. The band was put on the back burner. We just, you know, we just thought, okay, we'll we'll do something else for a while. But then, um, because of family reasons, we ended up moving back to Australia and and, you know, we were just tinkering, Drew and I, in our music room, but, you know, with no real plans. Then out of the blue, uh, Vinyl On Demand wanted to do an M-squared vinyl box set. And I thought, oh, you know, is somebody still interested in this <laughs> stuff? And I actually got in contact with Michael T for the first time in sort of 
by that stage, nearly 30 years or something. I hadn't spoken to him since 84 and said, oh, we'll have to get together to do this. And then the ID said, well, how about we do some, you know, music together? And I thought, oh, yeah, that'll be good. So we put all the past behind us <laughs> and, and realised that we still had the same joy of making music together, which, you know, was surprised me at the time. And how did you feel about that realisation? I felt good. I thought it would last for, you know, we, we typical sort of scattered order. We had a, you know, a deadline before we had any idea what we were going to do or we had a live show for the release of the box set or something. So we went, oh, we better get a set together. And we got together in a room and started playing. We thought, oh, you know, this is, this is really good. And, you know, we had the enjoyment. But at the time I thought, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a few things and maybe, but it's just kept going. You know, and Shane Fay, who was in the band from 83, was in the band for two years, 83 and 84. We got, uh, got in contact with him again and he said, oh, would you like to play? And he said, yes, so we're the three of us mm. since about 2000. Oh, Shane joined in 2010, I think. And it's been an incredibly prolific period, actually. I mean, the amount of material that you guys are recording and releasing is terrific. That's all I do now. I've got a, a little recording s- set up, which I always love, you know. I've got a little recording set up, means I can throw ideas down, come back at a later date and see what works and move things around. And I love doing that, and that's why there's a lot of material. We all live a long distance apart. Like We get together every so often to rehearse, but we just you know, send files backwards and forwards and come up with ideas and... Yeah, and we just keep still trying to write, you know, the best song, but (laughs) that's what drives me. In pursuit of that. In pursuit of the best song, yes. There is that kind of whole industry of what you might call heritage rock, of bands getting back together, playing their old songs to people who first saw them 30 years ago. And that's fine, and that has its place. And, you know, Scattered Order, although from uh, initially from a similar time, what you're doing now is nothing like that. And I think you can attest to that by the fact that you play on bills with young bands, new bands now... And so your sound isn't anything to do with nostalgia or heritage or anything like that whatsoever. You're actually making music that's just as important now. The people who are coming to your shows have no idea what you did 35 years ago. They're seeing you for who you are now as opposed to who you were. Um, And that's quite unique. That's the best thing about it. (laughs) We could never do a heritage sort of thing. I wouldn't know how to play those songs. We haven't got the people to play those songs. And what's the bloody point? You know, a heritage act of our, our sort of ilk 
you know, we can't go and play a vineyard. Nobody's going to offer us thousands of dollars to play a vineyard, you know. And we like writing new material. I mean, the three of us, the band never had these three people, you know, combined, you know. Shane and Michael were in the band at different periods. So it's, it's a chemistry there. We get to play now on Bill's... Oh, I love all these bands we play with. That's the best thing of playing live, I reckon. You get to see all these other fantastic bands. I'm just getting into all this young Australian, you know, stuff more sort of, you know, from extreme noise right, right through. And it's fantastic. It sounds like from the group of people you have and also the, your philosophy and approach to this phase, this sounds like almost one of the most enjoyable phases of Scattered Order. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm not as wired up as I used to be, probably is the word. But um, fine, you still got the, you know, the, you know, distributing records and you know, press and all that business. But you're just doing it for scattered order. The M Square days, you're doing it for a roster of artists. The Volition days, you're trying to deal with a third party, a record company. This time, it's just the three of us. We know what, you know, we got to an age where we know what we like, we know what we don't like, and we're all sort of um, competent in each other's abilities and decisions and things like that. I, I didn't mean, I said for her not to be a scare, but, but she kept yelling. I told her, I, I reached out to make her be quiet, don't be a scare and she was yelling and and the fish was trying to get loose from me i put the fish in, in the bucket uh i had a, her by the neck i i didn't mean to have her by the neck uh, i let, let her go and she fell down This is Out From Under, and that was Mitchell Jones from Scattered Order talking about the trajectory of the band over the last 30 years. And we'll bring the story right up to date now with a track from their upcoming 12-inch Full Metal Europe out through the Terragraph label. This is Full Metal Rubik.
it's Scattered Order and a track called Full Metal Rubik. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Out From Under. You can find more info about Scattered Order at scatteredorder.com or on msquared at msquaredrecords.com. Out From Under is online at outfromunderradio.tumblr.com and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Out From Under Radio. I'm Stuart Buchanan. I'll leave you now with a track from Scattered Order's recent album, Some Men Remember Music. This is called I Remember Diamonds. Some men remember music not for nothing. I 